and welcome to Earworm Island. I'm your host, Jeff White. On each episode, I invite my special guest to imagine marooning their worst enemy on a desert island, accompanied only by the most terrible records ever made. This week, I'm joined by uh, Glenn Goodman, uh, journalist and cryptocurrency investor. Glenn, thanks for joining us. It's a great pleasure, Jeff. Um, we've obviously done podcasts before, but this is a new departure for us. Um, it's slightly inspired by you because because you had um, oh yes, you've explored the world of terrible music yourself, as, uh, and that, that sort of sparked the idea in my mind that this might work. Um, uh, you made a bold claim at one point that you'd <laughs> you'd listen to all the good music in the world and were listening to the bad music. That's that right, one? that's right, Jeff. I am such a connoisseur of music that. I had probably by the age of 25 listened to every good piece of music ever written. <laughs> that's, that's my claim. And how do I know this? Because whenever I went into pubs and played the, uh, ugh, I've forgotten the name of the quiz game now. There was a quiz game on one of the fruit machines. Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where it asked you pop music questions. Mm-hmm. And there was not a single, not a single answer that I would get wrong. No, right. Never. Right. That's, that's in my memory. That's okay. how it was. <laughs> I don't remember ever getting one. And of course, it's infallible memory. Human memory is known to be infallible. Yeah, uh, that's, as we know. It is. That's, a, that's a statistical fact. So you started, but you started deliberately mining terrible music. Um, where did this sort of journey, I presume that's also filled in some of your choices, but where did this journey take you, the journey into I mean, the, into well, the, the thing is dross? That, you know, there's this ironic thing, isn't there, where people mm. discover music in an ironic way if they never witnessed it the first time round. Mm. So basically, you know, my choices today, as you'll see, are music that I hate because they have existed and been rubbish during my own lifetime. Mm. Whereas uh, the, the the bad music that I... Uh, allowed you to feast upon recently <laughs> when we met was all from sort of before my time so yes, I would hear it for yeah. the first time and go oh isn't this hilarious hilariously <laughs> in a kind of ironic kind of way whereas I imagine had I been a young person at the time that those things ca- came out I yes. wouldn't be able to enjoy them in quite the same way because I would detest them and the people who liked them at the time Oh, I see. So, so there's basically a different category. There's kind of music that's terrible, that's terrible when you know it's there, and then music that you discover is terrible in hindsight, but are entertained by the terribleness of it in hindsight. Is that yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. Right. Wow. And, and in fact, there's a perfect example of that, which will feed into um, uh, our our proper discussion today, oh, uh, right. which is uh, the late '80s. I was old enough to witness the late 80s and I hated the late 80s you know even as a pretty young person a a child um, I still despised Stock Aitken Waterman and Mm. everything that they came out with because people forget now young people the young people they just don't understand you see but at the time People took things like Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give You Up. They took that stuff seriously. People liked it. I mean, obviously not music <laughs> critics took it seriously, but, you know, my peers and and people older than me even were like, yeah, this is really great. It's got a really great beat, this Rick Astley, Never Gonna Give It Up. Whereas nowadays, young people think it's all hilarious and they love it in an ironic kind of way. Oh, because, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, They're not getting the original pain of it because no. for them it's passed into the era of irony in the past. I, yes, exactly. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. That, whereas I did. Do you reckon this was this was the case before, where you know classical composers, you know, would come along and say, "Oh, Bach, yeah." You, see, you're enjoying Bach in an ironic way. I, I was there originally <laughs> when it was rubbish, <laughs> when his compositions were genuinely perceived as being good, and I hated them. I suspect that proper musos at the time were 
we're all kind of appreciative of Bach, but it was the it was the like the pop music of the time. It was the mm, kind of green mm, sleeves mm. and the uh, <laughs> and the I don't know what were the old equivalents of knees up Mother Brown. The, the kind of you yeah. know the the, the, the bawdy songs, the, the bawdy songs, the, bawdy the, the songs tavern that... songs, and the and the folk music of earlier centuries that yes. they would have sneered at. Yes. Though if there was you know something that was before their time, they might have enjoyed it in an ironic kind of way and played the lute in a kind of humorous <laughs> fashion to amuse their friends and that kind of thing. Anyway, we'll come to the music in a second. So we've obviously got the issue of. Um... Of who we're sending to the island? Do you have a, Do you have an idea in your mind of, of the person that you're going to be uh, dispatching to, I have uh, a to very Goodman clear Island? Idea, yes, okay, I do. Who, who um, well, I mean, it's it's um it's a person who I feel very passionately about in mm. a in a wholly negative way. <laughs> um, I just feel like at the moment, with the world's attention focused on coronavirus, uh, it's very easy for us all to to really lose sight of what's truly important in the world. You know, the universal truths that yes. that transcend space and time. Which obviously uh, you're, you're keeping focused on, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, one of these key truths is, as we all know, that Robbie Williams is a twat, right? And <laughs> um, we need... Not to forget, I mean, we're all guilty of it at times. We all get so wrapped up in our daily lives. You know, sometimes I go an entire day <laughs> without remembering to reflect deeply on what a twat Robbie Williams truly is. I, I don't think I've ever gone a week, but, but certainly days have passed and I feel it, bad about that. Are there things about Robbie Williams that... that, that, that because uh, I've never really sort of d- dwelt upon this, I must admit. But, but but clearly there are things about him that have really got your goat. What's the what's the what's your beef? What's your Robbie beef? I mean, isn't that? Do I even need to say another word? Can't I, can't we just end the podcast here because it's so self-explanatory? Well, he's Why? a bit he's a bit <laughs> arrogant, and he's I suppose he's got tattoos. What what you know? I don't. Bit, he's, <laughs> he's not a bit anything. There's nothing a bit about. Right. Let's go back to. Um, Let's go back to the days of Stockton Waterman and Rick Astley. I said uh-huh. that it kind of related, you know, to, to this time. You see, that was such a bad time in musical history. Mm. Um, and people who weren't there at the time, perhaps, as I say, don't appreciate how truly awful it was to mm. enjoy pop music and, mm. and just have the charts filled with pap like that at the mm. time. Mm. And then... An amazing thing happened around 1990. There was a sea change. First, there was like bands like the Stone Roses and Happy Mondays. Mm. And then it gathered pace. There was Suede and there was Blur then. And then there was Oasis. And all these really good quality bands started dominating the, Dragons, the charts. Dragons, for example, you know, yeah. <laughs> Can you? Oh no, that's not. Can you dig it? Is that? Can you dig it? No, that. Can was you dig the, it? The soup dragons. Yeah, yeah. Or was, yeah. no? That was the mock turtles. Oh, was it? Oh, right. yeah. Okay, soup, soup dragons, dragons. All these great bands. Can't remember. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, the the the, the charts in the nineties were filled with quality, mm. right? Maybe not mm. the best quality music of all time, but mm-hmm. but quality nonetheless. And this was a good time to be young. All of a sudden, and I felt so proud of my fellow Brits that we'd managed to throw all this <laughs> dross out around. of the charts. We turned it around, Jeff. Everything was around. looking up. Yep. But there was one fly in the ointment, Jeff. Mm-hmm. There was one fly that I couldn't quite get rid of. It was like, <laughs> you know, maybe this is a bit of a harsh comparison, but a cancer. Okay, there was a cancer in the charts. Harsh. And that, that cancer was called Take That. And oh, the reason yes. why I compare them to a cancer was because a cancer, when it's not properly treated, grows, doesn't it? And then oh, you I get see. secondary 
cancers, uh, secondary tumours. Metastasizing, they were, I think, yes. Yeah, yeah. metastasizing. Boyzone. Yes. Westlife. All these things were spawned by the horror of Take That. Though, the, if I were to be fair to Take That, they weren't, you know, the true original. There was New Kids on the Block. I was going to ask about New Kids forward. on the Block, because they predate, don't they, Take That? I think Take That was considered a British, a British NKOTB, as, yeah. I, as I used to call them. Yeah, New Kids were always a little annoying to me, though I didn't despise their music, but right. they, they were annoying. And then, yeah, when Take That came along and would... You know, they were right there up the top of the charts. And front and centre was that grinning, gurning, mugging idiot, Robbie Williams, <laughs> always trying to, to get the attention for himself. Even in a band of attention seekers, he was trying to jump in front of them and go, look at me, it's me, I'm this better goes than the others. deep for you, doesn't it? Wow, okay, okay. Just, well, there's also a bit of a personal... Um, Oh, really? Kind of, yeah, I mean, well, in at the very dawn of my career, he didn't spur me at all. No, well, at the very dawn of my career, I had a number of runner type jobs hmm. in the me- in various parts of the entertainment and media industry, um, and there were in an in two different jobs, I found myself ending up having to look after Robbie Williams for oh, the day. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. So, whoa, well, okay. Well, you've got personal experience of Robbie Williams. This throws into a, a different light. Go no, on. But here's the thing, right? He was perfectly nice to me. <laughs> oh, he no. was he wasn't unpleasant. <laughs> you know, this 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 kind of loathing for Robbie Williams is a purely aesthetic loathing. This isn't a personal thing. Wait, you got okay with the guy, he's quite a nice guy, but you've still come out with a tra- trail of vitriol about him. We're gonna send him to an island and inflict bad music on him. I, I, yeah. I'm slightly confused. Well, like I said, it's an aesthetic thing. You know, right, I can't right. allow my personal feelings mm, to mm. cloud my judgment. Right, well, yes. Oh, and this judgment is a purely objective judgment. Yes, it's not subjective. You... It's objective. <laughs> Robbie Williams is a twat, and the world needs to understand that. It should be on Wikipedia under right. Robbie Williams. It just should be is a twat, and then so, nothing else. <laughs> so this is, is a fact. This okay? is corrective treatment for Williams's own good. For the good of Williams, he it needs. Is. He needs. To, to be corrected is that is that how this is going and to be honest look when i met him okay like i say he was you know he was nice he didn't ignore me he was friendly to me during the days that i spent with him mm-hmm. but he was also entirely 100 percent focused on himself mm-hmm. and that really goes to the very core of why he's a twat because everything is about him all the time <laughs> you know even when things are not going so well for him he's he's all over the papers crying publicly crying self-pitying Everything is always about him. Nothing has ever... I mean, just just look back through archives of Robbie Williams and things that he's said and interviews that he's done. You'll never find anything that isn't just focused entirely on him. <laughs> so so it's Robbie Williams who's going to be sent to the island. Um, I do like the idea... I mean, um, I like the idea of Robbie Williams sort of looking gaunt somehow. For some reason, he's always been quite sort of, you know, like well-built and stocky and kind of filled out. And I just like, I don't know, the idea of a thin Robbie Williams emerging from the island, something about that kind of pleases me. I don't know, like a sort of gaunt, reformed, you know, he's learned his lesson, as as you, you know, as you said. Do you see what I mean? Like a, like a, like a, I don't know, imagine a thin Robbie Williams after a while on this island with his clothes sort of hanging off him. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is somewhat thinner than he used to be now, mm. anyway. Mm. Right, yes. and he's And thinness actually doesn't suit him. It makes his face look all kind of uh, just unpleasant. Um, 
I don't know. Well, what we we'll get onto, I guess, later. What the island will look like and what it will contain. Yes, because, let's um, let's let's I have want... a song. Let's have a song first because I think there's something. There's something needs to greet him to the island. Um, what's 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 going to be your first uh, the first thing you're going to hit him with? Right. Well, this is. We need to talk a little bit about Robbie Williams's history here in order mm. to understand mm. why I've chosen this song. Um, Robbie Williams. Uh, when he left Take That in the mid-90s, it was in a sort of, uh, you know, obviously a blaze of publicity. He was like, I'm leaving these guys. I've always disliked this kind of music anyway. You know, he reckoned he was mm. too cool for their for their poppy trash. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was poppy trash. He was correct about that. But he wasn't too cool for it. Yes. That's the crucial thing to remember. Because he then went on to come out with poppy trash of his own, as I remember. Oh, how trashy. How, <laughs> I mean... You know, a lot of people love the song Angels. Obviously, I absolutely despise it, and it's the worst song in the world as far as I'm concerned. But the thing <laughs> Kel- was, Kel- yeah. But the thing is that when he left, he started hanging around with Liam Gallagher. Do you remember this? Oh yes, like, yes. I'm cool yeah. with my yeah. mate Liam. We we out together. We're we're mates. And, uh, it was also painful, and that was in fact when he put on a lot of weight as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing was, he then. He hated his former bandmates. He felt that they'd not been very nice to him, or at mm. least three of them, he mm. felt, had not been very nice to him. And, uh, I mean, can you blame them? Can you imagine what it must be like going around touring with that guy, spending every second of your life with a guy <laughs> who just constantly shows off, makes yep. stupid gags, and just talks entirely about himself 24-7? I mean, it must have been absolutely I mean, unbearable probably the when the band guys. got together it wasn't so bad but you, you then become a you know a superstar group and as you say are spending a lot of time together and a yeah. lot of media interviews and suddenly you realize oh god he he, he really is an attention seeker isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, re- <laughs> he really is and that, yeah it would have been unbearable for them so yes. Uh, so anyway, after he left, he had a real grudge, particularly against Gary Barlow, like a mm. massive grudge. And that's what he says kind of spurred him on to greater uh, individual fame that mm-hmm. he had to kind of show him. And uh, and he did. You know, Gary Barlow was pretty much destroyed by this. His his solo career um, started off quite well, Gary Barlow's, but then went down the pan pretty quickly. And he then put on a lot of weight himself and says mm. he tried to distance himself from the whole being a pop star thing by yes. trying to be overweight and not look like a pop star. Right, okay. Whereas Robbie Williams went on to greater and greater fame and acclaim and uh-huh. just... Uh, it was these were bad years okay the early yes. 2000s bad years for me great years for robbie williams <laughs> and it just got worse and worse and he got more and more famous but then there was a turning point this is a beautiful turning point robbie williams brought out an album called rude box which mm. was a kind of rapping affair in the mid 2000s he tried to be extra cool it didn't really work out. Like it sold okay. It sold well. You know, if you look up the the, the sales mm. figures, Rudebox did okay. But crucially, Gary Barlow and Take That decided to relaunch and have a massive comeback around the same time, uh. and they destroyed Robbie Williams's sales <laughs> figures. Their new album had massive sales figures and massive acclaim, and everybody was like, "Yay! We forgot how much we love Take That. Yay! Take That. <laughs> Boo, Robbie Williams. He's a bit rubbish." And Robbie, you know, he must have just been gnashing his teeth throughout this whole period. He must oh, have been I having see. So when time. he hears this song, this is going to remind him of that that exactly. epic battle period where he exactly. lost. Right. Exactly. So, 
All right, so this is, this is Patience by Take That. Just have a little patience. Oh, moody start, isn't it? Still hanging from a love I lost. I'm feeling your frustration. But any minute all the pain. I think Robbie Williams would have been frustrated at this song, wouldn't he? Just hold me close. This song is okay. It's okay. It's okay for you and me. That's that's what I love about this. But for Robbie Williams, this is going to be the sand in the flip flop, isn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. He's going to be listening to this over and over again on the island because we haven't given him anything else to listen to apart from the <laughs> And uh, and he's going to be feeling that pain. He's going to be taken back mm. to that terrible moment when he suddenly realised that things had turned around and that his worst nightmare had come true, that Gary Barlow was now on top. I really want to start over again I know you want to be my salvation Oh, that's nice. See, and this would be brilliant because, as you say, you could just play it on a loop. We haven't had that yet. No one's gone for that tactic of just looping it. So... How long do you think you'd give this before you before you stopped? <laughs> before I stopped looping it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many plays through are we going to give it? Well, just infinite number of plays. How's, <laughs> How's infinity for you? Does that, does that work? <laughs> well, it's Can we just forget just the other three songs altogether? <laughs> just, just have this one on a loop forever. Just remind him. All right, let's Always stop remind that one. Him. Let's stop that one there. That is a that is a superb choice for the opening gambit for um, uh, for Robbie. Um, well, I have to say that it's the annoying thing is that Robbie came crawling back a few years later. Mm-hmm. About two or three years later, he was like, "Oh, come on, guys! How about I rejoin? Take that? Oh, funny that! <laughs> funny that you suddenly think that's a good idea, Robbie, after being." <laughs> absolutely against them and saying you'd never come back and you hate them and all the rest of that for years and years and years suddenly they're doing better than him and he's like hey you know what would be really great a reunion and, and but what's annoying is that they let him i just mm. really wanted gary barlow just to say no you were such uh <laughs> such a nasty yeah, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? <laughs> I'm holding totally, back yes, various swear words. Adults only, yeah. All yeah. right, yeah. Well, you were such a prick to me all those years, Robbie. Mm. Why should I let you back in the band? Sod you. Screw you, Robbie. You stay on the outside <laughs> doing your little rapping, your silly little rapping, and we'll do our um, but you... we'll do our enormous success. Thank you very much. I want to go. I want to go straight on to the next song controversially yeah. because um, there's a similar sort of thing going on here. What, what's the? What's it's another boy band hit. But what's the logic with this one? Well, this is Westlife. You raise me up, and it's mm-hmm. just to remind him of what he spawned, because they were even worse than Take That. They they really were the the pinnacle. Well. Yeah, the zenith of terrible, terrible music. You would, uh, you would put them. You would put them at. Uh, you think Westlife is peak bad boy band? Peak boy I band. I think rubbish. so. Uh, you know, wow. I've chosen "You Raise Me Up" because it has that famous moment in the middle where they're all sitting on stools, and then you get the key change, and they all get off the stools and stand up, and <laughs> that's kind of like people. People remember that moment as probably the yeah the epitome 
of, oh, of awfulness in the world of music. Westlife, terrible band. They're his fault. I blame him directly for them. <laughs> as well as Blue and Five oh, and Blue, yes, Another God. Level and A1. And there were just so many of these bands around wow. that time. Do you remember? Uh, no, luckily I don't. I have a useful music amnesia. So bringing all these names back is, uh, yeah, they've, but they've scarred you deep, haven't they? These, these, these wounds run deep. They're all Robbie's fault. And I, and I met most of them. During uh, during those those during your runner days, yeah, Yeah, runner days. I met them all. I met Boyzone. They were nice lads. Hey there, we're nice lads. That's what they do. I can't. I'm not very good at an Irish accent, but oh, that was Irish. Yeah, that was supposed to be Irish. They've uh, they've made it's like they were professionally nice lads. Do you know what I mean? It's like right, we're going to be nice lads. I don't know, you know, I've no idea how nice or not nice they are in real life, but they clearly decided and they were like, yeah, we're going to have good crack. We're nice lads. Hey there. Nice to meet you, Glenn. Yeah. I took them to get some food at a canteen, I remember, at the place where they were filming and they were like, and they were like all joshing with the canteen staff or the canteen women all gushing over them. Oh, we're nice lads. Oh. Well, it, it, ah! For you, there was a runner at that time. It must have been so disappointing not to have, you know, stories to be able to tell about these. I met boys and what were they like? Oh, quite nice. That's a yeah. really dissatisfying end to that anecdote isn't it <laughs> right okay let's uh, let's have a bit of Westlife even you 17 were nice lads what can I tell you <laughs> and they're supposed to be bad lads didn't work out that way they were nice when I am down oh another bit of piano to start like it yes it's a theme they always troubles I am still Yes, always black and white. Moody black and white. Yeah. Moody <laughs> black and white shots of people looking meaningful. <laughs> they're, they're brooding. See? Yeah, this is the bro- yes, the video is brooding black and white. Look, but I think it's going to change in a bit. Oh, there we go. I can't stand on mountains. You Okay, just while we listen to this, I just wanted to have a quick think of just the number of people who've had sex to this song. I am strong when I am on your shore. Oh, how many, how many young people who are living today, I mean, how old would they be, like, in their late teens, I guess, mm. were conceived to this song? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, me and your mum put Westlife on, and next thing you know... That's if you. I, if I and found your out I've been conceived to Westlife, I would probably. I'm not suggesting anybody actually commit suicide, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying I would. Wait, is this, this a sort of Irish kind of bagpipey type? This. Whoa, that's bad. Oh, I think no. I'm I'm done. We've got to stop this. That's it. I'm done. I'm oh, we haven't it. had the key. Cha- oh no! Wait a second. I'm not sure the key change thing works in the official video. I think it was in live performances. Yeah, where I, I, I know exactly what you mean though. The stool-based performance singing of men, and then they get up from the stools at a certain point. I just yeah, think, can change. we just? Can we? Is there some convention we could pass, like a Geneva Convention, to stop that from ever happening again? <laughs> <laughs> I think X Factor kind of killed it. It's like X Factor made it such a trope that it's. <laughs> I haven't seen it for a while now. 
<laughs> I hope it's been worn out naturally. There, they just had the key change. So we've got we've got back to Robbie on the island. You've inflicted obviously the take that song on. It's pretty bad. Westlife. Talk to me about the island then. So where describe where, where are you going to? Because you've got full control over this. What what have you set up for Robbie to make it uh, super unpleasant for him? Right. Well, you asked me to have a think about what animals would be on the island, mm. right? And I decided there must be no animals on this island. Oh, right? why? This is crucial. Absolutely mm. crucial because he must be denied an audience. <laughs> right? I'm talking... Even the badgers won't get to see him. That's right. Not even fish. Not even microbes. Nothing. <laughs> nothing that could possibly focus its attention on Robbie Williams must be on this island. And so for that reason, I've thought about this quite deeply. Okay, okay. Right? Because obviously there's got to be plant life or fruit or something yes, for him yes, to yeah. eat so that he can stay alive and, and have a bad time. That uh-huh. is very important. But there must be, crucially, no implements with which he can make a face on a melon. <laughs> Because you know he would yes. set up a bunch of these melons as an audience yes. and yes. sing to them and tell them jokes <laughs> and just gurn and perform in general. There must be nothing. Nothing. <laughs> even bacteria can't hear you sing. Yes. On, on Goodman Island, even bacteria can't hear you sing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great film. I just, I mean, he would just go, he'd just go nuts, wouldn't he? That, that, that without the sort of, without the audience, the loneliness, the lack of exposure... It's his worst nightmare. I've thought about this carefully. I had to create his worst nightmare, and here it is. I mean, well, you provided the island, which was wonderful of you, and you've done me a great service. And (laughs) you know, I've provided the the lack of audience, and there you go. That's Robbie Williams's nightmare, right there, with the song "Patience" just going around. How do you think he's going to spend his days then on the island? That's it. Just because you know, if you're Robbie Williams, how are you going to occupy occupy your time? uh, You know. it sounds like food is abundant, just not food that's in any way sentient. <laughs> I mean, I imagine he'll be talking to himself because mm, he can't mm. obviously stop talking. That's that's an impossibility for him. Talking and singing, mainly talking. Uh, so, so yeah, he'll just drive himself insane by talking to himself continually, I guess. I mean, nobody's ever done well psychologically from that situation. Do you think psychologically he'll sort of divide himself up internally into a, into a boy band? He'll, he'll develop... Sort of four four or five different personalities, all of whom sort of fit roughly with the boy band tropes. I didn't think of that. In a a way, schizophrenia could, uh, or or some kind of uh, Mm. multiple personality, could actually be the the solution for him could actually make things less unpleasant. So I'm not I'm not too keen on that concept. I wish we hadn't come up with that. He'd have a fallout with the other bits, you know, the other personalities. Where they'd, 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 and then they'd get together and make really good songs and he'd have to listen to them in his head. It would just be a <laughs> continuous replay over and over again. Oh, that would be lovely. Um, I think it's time for another song. So you've, you, you, you've queued up your next one uh, that's going to yeah. be belting out of the speakers at, at, at Robbie. Um, by the way, what sort of time of day are we looking at for this one? When, when do you think this would work? Or, or what, sort of, what moment do you want to inflict this on Robbie? I think this song would work best on a Friday because <laughs> it's Friday by Rebecca Black. See, intro's not too bad, it's alright. Yeah. 7 a.m., waking up in the morning, gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs, gotta have 
the notes, so she said, Wait, there's her friends. Some in the front seat. Some in the back seat. Question, the big question. Which seat can I take? Which seat? That is the big question of the song. They repeat it at the end of every verse. Which seat should she take in the car? Well, I mean, I've got some issues with that because there is only one seat left and it's between the... Obviously, she's not going to sit on the gear stick in the middle of the front, is she? There's, there's a seat obviously in the back. That's where she's going to sit. No question. I think I might have to, um, yeah, I think I might have to stop that one there. What I love about this song is it, it does, it, for me, it really has the feeling that somebody, in a very real sense, made up as they went along. So she's sitting in the car and she's literally just looking around and going, I'm in a car, I'm next to this person, they're on my right hand side, there's some road in front of us. It's the kind of song you would sort of make up, you know, just <laughs> literally say what you see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in the bridge, he's like, right, so... Friday, uh, the next day is Saturday. Well, Saturday and obviously, yes. The guy writing the lyrics and I, well, what's the after Saturday? Oh, oh yeah, Sunday, Sunday comes yes. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, um, I just, I, I had absolutely no idea about this song and for other listeners who are listening who, who weren't privy to this, the, 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 do you know that the backstory to this song is quite unusual? Um, in that this, as I understand it, she, d Rebecca Black or her mum, I can't work out which, but they paid to have a song made and a video made, like you'd do a sort of family photo shoot, like a sort of, you know, something nice for, for you to just have personally. And then this thing went absolutely nuts because people condemned it as being one of the worst songs ever made. Mm. And I feel, I do feel a certain sympathy with Rebecca Black. I mean, she, she got a lot of abuse. And I don't, in a way, I don't want to kind of add to that because I think she seems quite, quite a nice, normal, switched-on person. I know, who... I feel bad for her. She had like 141 million views on... <laughs> On YouTube, so she initially she would have been so excited, but yeah, once she started reading the comments, yes, and seeing how I mean, look, it, this is quite unusual. It's got one point one million likes, <laughs> but three point six million thumbs down. <laughs> That's pretty unusual on YouTube to have it, a ratio like that. It really is, but if it's that bad, why have one hundred forty-one million people still watched it? I mean, you would have thought after so the first funny. million, I've watched it like fifty times probably <laughs> alone, just me. So, I, I don't. Mean, Look, I just feel, I do feel bad for her. It's not her fault. She didn't write the song. She didn't yes. design the video. She was yes. like a little kid when yep. Yep. when it came out. So she, no, she doesn't deserve uh, the negative attention, really. Yeah. It's the person yeah. who wrote the song, the cynical, whatever cynical person <laughs> it is, who thought that this was the perfect painting by numbers pop song. Well, this is the thing, as I understand it, she, she was almost given, a, this, this company had songs just to sort of spare and they gave her one and, and she sang it. So in a way, if you're, if you're annoyed by the song and the lyrics and stuff, it, I don't think it's necessarily her you have to be angry at. It's the company behind it who did this. Um, and then there was this whole issue over who owned the rights to the song and all that kind of thing. It's, it's just endlessly fascinating, this. But I think, I think you're right. I think this is going to wind Robbie up um, uh, immeasurably. Um, uh, particularly if you keep playing, because he'll know that it's going to come round every week 
on a Friday. <laughs> he's going to be counting the hours. Because <laughs> obviously the rest of the time, Take That's going to be playing on a loop, except Friday when this song plays on a loop. I love it. Plus, it'll probably surprise him because he won't know what day is Friday when he's on the island, probably. Anyway, it'll just suddenly happen. <laughs> oh, dear. Brilliant. Um, well, I think that's, that's, a, that's an absolute winner. Uh, superb, um, superb choices for Robbie. We've got one more to go. Um, one more to sort of... I, I have this idea that this might be a sort of sunset-type song, a kind of, you know, end of the day, you know, you've managed to survive without any meat, without any animals again. What, what do you think? Yeah. Exactly. It's the perfect song to make you really feel in that sort of um, uh, dusky, sort of twilight, wrist-slitting mood, I would say. (laughs) Because this song was played on radio. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I heard it. I was subjected to it in the way that Robbie will be. Mm -hmm. um, Because it was just on every radio station for years and years and years. I guess I was listening to the wrong radio stations. I mean, well, I didn't listen to these stations on purpose. It was just, you know, everywhere you went, there, every shop it? you went into, you know, it was, <laughs> it was playing for years and years, and it's and it's just the most kind of the the blandest. It's like kind of chicken soup with virtually no chicken taste in it, <laughs> like just water with a kind of vague hint of chicken. That's that's pretty much how I see this song. And this is the Thin Lighthouse gruel. family. Thin the gruel. Li- Thin gruel, the Lighthouse family, lifted. A lot of work for your session bongo player in this one, isn't there? Bongos were very popular in the 90s. Man's been ditched by the, the, the pounding drum beat. And you've got a, a kind of a, a stylish looking guitarist in the desert. Yeah. Guitar. <laughs> and they're walking along through the arid desert in their suits. In their suits, of course. It's Black desert suits. Wear, isn't it? Yeah, Black suits. <laughs> Probably got a vest on underneath. I hate this song as much as I thought I did. <laughs> I think it's because, like I say, we used to hear it all the time, but I haven't heard it for a while. Somehow it doesn't seem so bad anymore. I, I, I hope I haven't made a, the wrong choice here. That would be I tragic. Think, I think, no, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's actually quite pleasant. So I think what we should do is we should inflict this on Robbie Williams at a point where things have gone really bad. You know, a storm's come in, it's destroyed his hut, he hasn't eaten, you know, he's been, had food poisoning from stuff he's tried to find, and he's, you know, he's at his last ebb, and then suddenly this song washes over you like some horrible kind of, it'll be fine when you know it really, really won't be, like to inflict it on him at his lowest ebb. (laughs) It'll be fine for the Lighthouse family, who are still raking in the royalties. But not for you, Robbie. Not on, not on Goodman Island. No royalties no... for you. Oh, I just thought of that. I hadn't thought of that before. But Patience by Take That, mm-hmm. whenever it's played, Gary Barlow gets royalties for it. <laughs> so even on the <laughs> island, he'll be earning money every time Robbie has to listen to it. What you could do is you could have um, a little um, sound effect of a till going ka-ching at the end of every time it's played. Ka-ching! And, Robbie's, and, and Gary Barlow's face pops up <laughs> with dollar signs in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful absolutely beautiful well I think that's a fantastic set of songs for Robbie Williams um, 
Uh, as a matter of course, obviously our castaway gets the complete works of Dan Brown and a copy of Russell Brand's My Bookie Work. Obviously. Um, there is obviously the issue of the, the luxury albatross, the, the thing you're going to give this person to, um, to make their time in the island really unpleasant. Have you had a thought of what you're going to saddle Robbie with? I have. Um. I've thought very carefully. I mean, mm. first of all, I thought a book I could get him like Gary Barlow's autobiography. <laughs> but then I changed my mind, partly because it probably mentions Robbie Williams in it. And that's true. Actually, like yes, that. it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's attention. Any kind of attention, even negative, he would enjoy. So I, I can't do that. So instead, I thought, and this is a kind of a controversial one, a window onto the world. Right. Mm. Like a kind of a video camera feed. Oh, that goes from, say, Oxford Street, mm-hmm. somewhere, somewhere, you know, where people pass by. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you imagine that the camera is trained, is like, say, in the road, mm-hmm. the camera is in the road looking at the pavement. Mm-hmm. So all you can see is the people walking backwards and forwards. <laughs> right. Yes. So here's the thing. That will be the most tantalising thing to him ever because he can sing to them as much as he likes but they can't hear him and they never stop walking. They never look in his direction. They just ignore him and go on their merry way backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, forever and ever. Well, Robbie desperately sings himself hoarse trying to get their attention, banging on the camera to try and get their attention. That is cold. That is a cold, cold punishment. <laughs> I'm learning things about myself. I never, I never really realised the depth to which, to which I would sink. And that's the point of the show. Um, thank you so much for that. That is it from this episode of Earworm Island. I'd like to thank my guest, the wonderful Glenn Goodman. If you'd like to be my guest on a future episode, if you think you can cut the musicological mustard, get in touch with me. I'm jeff at gwhite.info or jeffwhite247 over on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Catch you again soon. 